Hello, and welcome to Tiny Transformations, the podcast where we test out those small changes that people tell us will dramatically change our lives for the better. I'm Jen Connell. And I'm Cindy Donahue. We're your hosts through these experiments on tiny transformations that we hope will result in big changes in our lives. This week's experiment had us crafting for 10 minutes a day at whatever time worked best and doing whatever craft we chose. So before we jump into our results, we're going to share some research into why crafting could be beneficial for stress busting. So a uh, CNN Health article from 2015 stated, neuroscientists are beginning to see how studies on cognitive activities, such as doing crossword puzzles, might also apply to someone who does complex quilting patterns. So I thought this particular um, piece of research was interesting since we just did puzzles, Mm -hmm. not necessarily crossword puzzles, but actual puzzles. And I also chose quilting for my craft. So I thought that was quite interesting. And frankly, we'll get into it a bit later. Uh, I could absolutely draw the parallels. The article also shared a story of a woman who had been diagnosed with PTSD and extreme anxiety after a traumatic death in her family. And her husband gave her a set of knitting needles, I guess in the hopes of that she would find some kind of calmness to that. And she actually did experience some really amazing improvement in her condition. The article also goes on to describe this phenomenon that this woman experienced and what the neuroscientists are seeing in their studies as flow, which can be uh, described as a few moments in time when you are so completely absorbed by an activity that nothing else seems to matter. And then another interesting tidbit is in one study of more than 3,500 knitters, which I have to wonder how they got so many knitters to respond to their survey, but That's besides the point. (laughs) You go to the websites that the knitters use to find new patterns and such like that. That's true. I don't know. Maybe in an email to to all the publications. Who knows? But in any case, in the British (laughs) Journal of Occupational Therapy, 81% of the respondents with depression reported feeling happy after knitting. And more than half (laughs) reported feeling very happy. Interesting. Um, Yeah, I know. I thought it was like, you know, and I have to say... I haven't met somebody who does quilting that doesn't seem happy. (laughs) Generally, I feel like people who quilt are so nice. And if you've ever picked up a quilting magazine, the people in those magazines look very content (laughs) with their creations. And they just look like nice people that you could probably enjoy a cup of tea with. (laughs) So I found this uh, research to be particularly interesting considering what we've done and yeah I was excited to try the experiment considering it it, there is definitely some research backing it cool I hadn't thought much about like the aspect of flow to crafting but it did seem and some of the information that I saw backed up the idea that crafting helps you to shift your focus and I mean fitting with the flow like concentrate on one thing which I guess I think of flow as a more, as a subset of shifting your focus and concentrating on an activity. I don't feel like Mm -hmm. when your focus is concentrated on one activity, you're always in a state of flow. Right. But it makes sense that people who are like 
really into a particular type of craft that they would experience a state of flow when doing it. So that's cool. <laughs> the other just like note about what I'm going to bring up in my research here is that even though I really do like crafting and I can get into that more later, at least in theory, I really like crafting. I was feeling very contrarian when I was reviewing the research for this episode. <laughs> so just with that warning as we I get into <laughs> the stuff that I found. So one of the things that I found that is an additional potential just side benefit of crafting is that it could potentially help you with decluttering because crafting often reuses or gives new purpose to old things in your house, such as creating a collage from old magazines or using like a vase in a new way or something like that. I tried to get my kids to kind of do this because I like just got rid of I recycled a whole bunch of magazines, but before that I like tried to get them to use them for collages and stuff and they just were not interested. They're like, they like art in a variety of ways, but that did not catch their um, interest. And then it just, I feel like I disagree with this point that crafting may allow you to declutter because I feel like crafters often end up with a lot of supplies. Like people that are like hardcore crafters just have a lot of stuff for it. Yeah, I would agree with you on that. <laughs> so that seemed like an interesting thing for something to bring up as a potential benefit. The other potential benefits that I saw were the idea of completing a craft, improving your confidence or your self-esteem. And I think that, again, this is something that's going to depend on the projects that you select. Because if you stick with a craft and you do it multiple times and you build skills over time, like, yes, that will help boost your confidence and your self-esteem. But I definitely have had plenty of times where I thought I could accomplish something and then it just didn't turn out how I expected. And there's like a whole like genre of this in this theme of Pinterest fails. So oh, yeah. Or nailed it on Netflix. That, yes. that show. Incredible. Truly incredible. <laughs> I mean, that's, I, if you don't bake... Don't try, don't, don't try to do it <laughs> if you want to feel good about yourself. And you're like, yeah, yeah I'll nail yeah. this. I no. mean, I think, like, I think there's benefits to doing things that you're not good at, absolutely, and to practicing and getting better at things. But I think just think, like, if you have fragile self-confidence or self-esteem, then, like, keep that in mind and start out with easy projects. Yes, like, don't try to make a wedding cake if you've never baked before. Maybe go for, like vanilla cupcakes with a frosting that's it don't do anything crazy (laughs) and build from there yeah (laughs) well and this I mean this is just reminding me also of this idea that like a lot of things from the outside just seem really easy and then once you know how to do them it's just you might get to the point where they're easy but they still just take more time than somebody from the outside who doesn't understand them expects it to take right whether it's crafting or cooking or computer programming or digital art or like anything I just feel like as I learn I like often will go into something like oh that doesn't seem that hard and then you like learn the nitty-gritty of how to do things and you're like oh this is way more involved than I thought it was gonna be (laughs) right yeah I totally agree and I feel like especially with social media 
and sped up videos and edited stuff, you're like, oh, I could do that. I could do stained glass. Psh, I only <laughs> need to just go to Michael's and buy $150 worth of stuff, and I'm, I'm in it. And I want to open my Etsy shop tomorrow. No, you're not. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> I feel like that comes up a lot with like, or the things that pop up on my Instagram feed at least are often like lettering video, hand lettering videos or drawing or things. And like, yeah, they're like sped up like 12 plus times. And so there was somebody that I saw that like made a video, like intending not just to like make pretty videos, but to like actually educate people on how to do their own lettering. And she was like, it does not look like in the video. It will take you forever. Right. But- and she like showed herself at norm at normal speed and it it takes forever and seems much less interesting to do if you're not really interested in it right you gotta wonder how many people have tried to like hand letter their own wedding invitations after watching a tiktok video (laughs) (laughs) they're like wedding invitations are so expensive i'll just do it myself and they buy all the stuff and epic fail and then comes the e-invite and it's over (laughs) sorry for anybody out there who's tried to do that i i do feel bad you were duped by tiktok (laughs) (laughs) well for these two weeks we committed to crafting for 10 minutes a day and after this break we'll talk about our results So, Cindy, what was your experience with this experiment? So, I spent a lot of time creating art as a kid, and I think I was a fairly content child. So, I was excited with doing this and thought that, you know, this would certainly help with any kind of stress-related feelings. So, when I... But I didn't plan it well. That was initially my problem. (laughs) So, I decided to do a quilt And it was a quilt that I actually started 10 years ago. I had all the fabric, I have the pattern, I got all the tools. So I was like, no big deal. I've already started this and I don't have to buy anything. It'll be great. (laughs) So I set it all up on my kitchen table and it took up the entire table. Quick question also. Have you sewn at all since 10 years ago? Um, no. (laughs) Okay. I mean... I don't think so. I also made a couple quilts more than a decade ago and have not sewn hardly at all since moving to Texas. So has it did, did the quilting ruin it for you? No, I <laughs> have not. Just haven't done it. It quilting you're right like it takes up a lot of space. It's not something that you can as easily like pick up and put down. Yeah. And stuff. So like I still have a sewing machine. I just honestly like haven't used it in a long time. Yeah, yeah. So so it took up everything. And for those of who might not be familiar with quilting, you have to cut teeny tiny little pieces of fabric, and then you have to sew the teeny tiny little pieces of fabric back together over and over and over again until you get some kind of a fancy geometric shape that looks like something. <laughs> and it's way harder and more complicated than the end result looks. It's not just a bunch of triangles and squares. There's like certain ways that you cut them and then you have to iron the seams. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of like, you can't just sit in one place. You gotta like, you know, if you're making your squares and you gotta make more squares and you gotta go iron them and then you gotta bring it back and then you gotta sew it more. And if your sewing machine is temperamental, 
like mine was, where the tension kept breaking the thread, Oof. that's going to cause you more stress. Like literally, I'd be like, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> I'm going to go watch <laughs> Netflix. Uh, but when it was working and I kind of got into a, a mode, it definitely felt similar to puzzling, which I thought was very interesting because of the research that we previously mentioned. Um, it kind of just like put you into this zone and I was focused on making sure my lines were straight and that, you know, I had enough um, like buffer room. I don't know what you call it. I'm not a quilter. Seam allowance. Seam allowance. Yes. That's the technical term for buffer. At, at least in clothing <laughs> it is. I think it is in quilting too. But. Yes. And then I realized like I could have like, I probably could have put it somewhere else, but I couldn't put it on the floor anywhere because the dog would have most certainly got herself into the needles and pins. And then <laughs> I was like, okay, so this isn't exactly a safe project for animals or children. <laughs> but I, I do like that concept. And so I would say, you know, if you're going to do this, look for an activity that might stimulate your flow. And if you think about it that way, you can probably come up with a craft that is suitable for your skill, time, and space. <laughs> what about you, Jen? Um, so I mentioned earlier that I, I crafted a lot when I was younger also, and it, it similarly to reading is something that like I still think of as kind of part of my identity from growing up and being a kid, even though, again, like reading, it's something that I haven't done as much of as I would like as an adult. Um, but I do still have a lot of craft stuff. And like I mentioned in an earlier episode this season, I think it was the puzzling episode. So lots of connections there. Our office was originally set up with the intention of it being both an office and a craft room. So like in my mind, I'm a crafter. In actuality, I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> but for these two weeks, I um, stuck to very simple crafts I primarily worked on a paint by numbers which I have had since well before the pandemic started I didn't buy it related to needing something to do during the pandemic it was just something I bought a while ago because I was like oh this will be fun and it's a tiger and my sorority's mascot is a white tiger and so like that that was why so I did a bunch of that and I did a I colored some greeting cards during this experiment. We'd bought these like color your own greeting cards with the intention of the kids coloring them for their mm -hmm. grandmothers. Instead, I colored them for various <laughs> people because nobody else wanted to. Um, but so these particular activities fit well into my life um, because my daughter is currently obsessed with doing her own painting and coloring. So when the kids saw me doing my paint by number, again, like more than a year ago, they wanted theirs. They've mm -hmm. done very little of theirs, but like the paint by numbers aren't that expensive and it keeps them occupied sometimes when I'm working on mine. So she did work on her paint by number occasionally when I was working on mine, which is a kitten to go with my tiger. So that's kind of cute. That is cute. But she also just does a lot of like random painting and coloring and stuff. And she just wants to make everything colorful. So doing these fit in easily with my life in that way. I do still have a lot of other projects that I want to complete. And I feel like those are always like hanging over me like, oh, I want to do this. And oh, I have all the materials to do that. I should get on that. Like, for example, we have a bunch of minis for D&D &D and for various games that came with minis that I, I would like to paint. And then I just bought over the last few months stuff to start making 
resin dice or other resin based things. So like I have these visions of doing stuff. We'll see how much, how it goes. Mm-hmm. But the other thing that this was all reminding me of was that it, it's kind of hard for me to get into the flow when working on crafts. And I, d- I hadn't really thought about that until we were talking about all the research related to flow and how that's the benefit. But like coloring and paint by numbers work well within my life because I can just stop them and it's not right. a problem. But I don't really have the chance to get into a state of flow when I'm working on them most of the time. And then some of the other projects that I want to work on, like resin casting, are just not things I can do around the kids. So that's another complicating factor in my craft life. Mm-hmm. I really liked your um, doing the paint by number. I thought that was such a good idea, and I wish I had done it. <laughs> uh, especially since, like, thinking about it, I was like, oh, you know what? Like, that's a really great way to decorate your home. Like, let's say you were like, oh, I want to put a piece of art here. Like, it doesn't have to necessarily be, like, of an animal or something. It could be, like, a geometric mm-hmm. thing, and you can, like, paint it yourself instead of buying something from Wayfair for too much money. <laughs> just You can just make it yourself, and then you can be like, I did that, and it matches mm-hmm. my house. So mm-hmm. I really like that idea. I'm going to think I might do that. Well, you can get them all sorts of different places. Um so there's lots and lots and lots of them out there. I've also seen an ad probably through Instagram for a company that'll take a picture of yours and turn it into a paint by number for you. That's cool. So you could do like a paint by number of your pet or something like that. Have you ever seen those like tattoo fails where people get like their no. ki- baby's face tattooed and it's like really bad? I don't know. I would just thought of that. <laughs> <laughs> that would be my look. Be like, that dog doesn't look at all like Rosie. What, who's that? <laughs> Cujo. <laughs> Aww, poor Rosie. <laughs> so I went and looked at our results, the perceived stress scale questionnaire that we do after each experiment, and looked at our results after crafting and compared to baseline. And this was kind of interesting because (laughs) you and I had the same value on the perceived stress scale while we were crafting, but that was a pretty significant increase for you and a decent sized decrease for me. So quilting does not seem to have helped your stress level. No, no, I got into a fight with the sewing machine. (laughs) Oh, did I mention it ruined my kitchen table? No. (laughs) Yeah, I don't... um... There is nothing underneath it, and we'd, we've used the sewing machine. My husband's used the sewing machine on the kitchen table before with nothing underneath it, but it was here for two weeks, mm-hmm. and the foot somehow created little rings on the table, Oh! and I have like a wa- it's like a wax finish teak table. Like it's not like polyurethane mm-hmm. or whatever you would know, and now there's rings on it, and I have no idea what to do. But yeah, talk about didn't work for me. Stress level, yeah. So if you're gonna yeah. do quilting, make sure you put on a surface you don't give a crap about. <laughs> well, so that <laughs> leads us more and or further into like our conclusions about this tiny transformation. And I'm gonna guess you're not gonna stick with quilting, but do you have any conclusionary thoughts about crafting as a stress busting? <laughs> yeah, I I definitely think. 
I'm going to try something maybe more manageable. Something maybe I could put away and take out. Maybe the paint by number. I, I knitted for a while. I crocheted for a while. That was nice. You could just, mm-hmm. just put that away. Um, but yeah, I'm going to say no to quilting. <laughs> it's t- terrible for me. So, But maybe to crafting overall, it sounds like. I think so. I mean, I used to, I used to draw and paint all the time as a yeah. kid. Yeah, like constantly. Like you and I, we were in a shout out to Mr. Kupcha. What's up? Best art teacher ever. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) We would spend our like study hall, if that's what you would call it. I think a study hall. We have study hall. I don't know. Whatever. It was was middle school. So I don't know if we called it study hall or something else. But yeah, we spent all our free time over there. Yeah. And we just made a lot of stuff and it was really cool. So Mm -hmm. like, I know I like doing it. Just maybe not quilting. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. How about you, Jen? I felt like, despite what my perceived stress scale number said, I felt like this experiment felt kind of like a wash for me. I'm kind of surprised, and maybe it's just because I'm in a better place than I was like at the midpoint of this experiment when I took the perceived stress scale assessment, That, but I'm just kind of surprised my numbers came out as well as they did. I think, like we've talked about, crafting does have the potential to be relaxing or flow-inducing. But I think that it's an even less universal stress-busting technique or experiment than some of the other things we've tried this season. Like, Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people can benefit from journaling and reading and puzzling. And I think that you need to know a lot more about yourself if you're going to try crafting as a stress-busting technique. And if you want to try it and you're not a historically crafty person then maybe starting with like coloring books, which are very popular right now. Maybe that's a better route than like diving into more complicated crafts. It just, it it seems like something you need to know more about yourself going into than a lot of the other things we tried. Yes. And it, it can also, you also have to like factor in how it would impact the other people around you. So I have a side antidote story. (laughs) Okay. <laughs> so in college, my senior year, I had a roommate, she will go unnamed, who decided that during finals week, we, we went to Michael's because we were like, we want to do something that's mm-hmm. not studying. So we bought one of those like make your own soap kits, which is just okay. glycerin soap. It's just like regular soap. Okay. And we bought this kit and we made some soap and that was it. And then she decided to like keep going. And she bought all the supplies at Michael's. And then she started getting into soap that had to cure. And in every freaking cabinet in our kitchen, there was soap (laughs) curing everywhere. And I was like, okay, this is getting ridiculous. And then she started making real soap. Like this was after we moved out, but eventually she started making real soap with like lye and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I was like, all right, I'm out. I'm out. (laughs) (laughs) So... That also something to consider. Yeah. yeah. How does it impact all the people around you? Don't fill your yeah. cabinets with soap. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, and even on just smaller scale, like a, so many crafts take up space. And so if they're not something that you can put away really easily, they're going to impact anyone else you happen to live with. Yes. Or Most your pets. Definitely. Yes. Certainly don't want them eating soap. <laughs> so True. True. So overall... We see that the research says that this has the potential to be stress-busting, and 
we agree we can see how some people can find it flow-inducing, but it's a little more complicated than some of the other experiments. Yes, agreed. That's all we have for this episode of Tiny Transformations. Thanks for listening. Notes and links for things we talked about in this episode can be found at our website, tinytransformationspodcast.com. We're starting a blog there as well as to keep you updated on things we might not talk about in the podcast. You can also follow us on Instagram at tinytransformationspodcast. If you have thoughts on this transformation or ideas for future experiments, you can email us at tinytransformationspodcast at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at our website. And if you enjoy our show, please subscribe and leave us a rating and review in whatever system you are using to listen to us. It really does help new listeners to find us. Tiny Transformations is written and hosted by Cindy Donahue and Jen Connell. Karen Darger is our producer. The music in this episode is Wholesome by Kevin McLeod, used under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 license. Go out and try your own transformations. And remember that tiny transformations can lead to big results. Music